0: I'm Sasha Ann Simons and this is Reset. Crime usually goes down in Chicago during the winter, but murders in January hit a four-year high. Chicago police reported 51 homicides in the first month of 2021. That's 16 more than we saw in January of last year. This comes as city leaders grapple with an alarming spike in carjackings. More than 200 carjackings have been reported since the beginning of the year. That averages out to around six per day, and many of these incidents involve guns. Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown says the department has developed a team approach to counter the rising tide of carjackings in the city, and he joins us now. Superintendent Brown, welcome to Reset. Hello, Sasha. Good to meet you. Superintendent, as a new Chicagoan, I, I got to tell you, the news of these carjackings is, is particularly concerning. Uh, it's alarming to other residents too, of course, uh, but we were up more than 180% in carjackings this January compared to January 2020. What is causing this?
1: So I heard on your lead-in that you also mentioned the uh, shootings and homicides so far uh, this year, along with the carjackings. So I just want to wrap those two issues together and talk more about the criminal justice system and, and COVID's impact. So to simplify everything, the criminal justice system is depending upon the officers obviously doing their job, making arrests, particularly violent offenders, people who commit carjackings. In 2020, we arrested, the Chicago Police Department arrested over 1,100 people for carjacking. This year so far, we've arrested 154 people for carjacking. So when you ask what's happening, the first thing that's happening, the uh, Chicago Police officers are doing their job. But the second most impactful thing that's not happening is our courts have been closed for 10 months. There's been no jury trials. The the leverage that police officers have when they make an arrest is that there's a consequence awaiting them if they get convicted, if we have a strong case. So I, I think I'm starting the slow drumbeat that our courts need to open. There needs to be consequences in our court systems. One of the examples I like to give here internally is that, for God's sakes, we're going to play a Super Bowl. We've been playing NBA professional basketball. We can certainly figure out a way to bring carjackers and people we arrest for other violent crimes to court for a jury trial or a, a conviction when uh, the evidence supports it.
0: Right. And you, so you talk there about arrest, but I, I do want to bring our focus back to the front end of this because these crimes are still happening. Can you lay out for us, Superintendent, where the hotspots are? Like, what neighborhoods are these carjackings taking place in generally? They're, they're
1: happening all over. So one of the highest parts of the city where they're happening is obviously the west side and south side, where a lot of our violence happening. But that wouldn't be a, a, a correct analysis. They're really happening all over the city. And they're being driven by predominantly young people. 12, 13, 14-year-olds are the prominent uh, offenders for these carjackings. They're more than likely working in crews of four uh, up to 12 individuals, all young people, uh, who for the most part are jaw-riding when they commit these heinous crimes.
0: So what does this tell you when, when you see that most of the accused are, are teens? Is, is there a, a bigger problem here, perhaps the ripple effects of a pandemic or, or- something that these kids may be lacking at home?
1: I think it all can be wrapped in the effects of a global pandemic. We say global pandemic, but we are in the worst parts of the pandemic. There have been more deaths during this period than there were at the beginnings when we lost four officers who died from COVID. And since uh, we've had 2,800 officers test positive for COVID. So again, I just want to emphasize what is happening Chicago police officers are laying on the line and, and doing everything they can to bring people who are carjacking, whether they're young or old, and others to justice. But there's no courts since March of last year. And without the consequence of a conviction for a crime they committed, we don't have the same leverage we would have, especially when you're comparing January 2021 to January 2020, when you mentioned 51 compared to 35 murders. Uh, no one that's been brought before the judge for a murder charge has gone to trial in 10 months. That's right. a significant impact. That's COVID's impact on criminal justice.
0: These are also uh, armed carjackings. I'm sure there are major concerns that the unthinkable could happen, Superintendent, as armed officers are confronting these young kids, some, as you mentioned, being as young as 12 years old.
1: Oh, oh my God, Sasha, you hit the nail on the head. That's been my nightmare scenario in our pursuit of these carjackers, that 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 unthinkable thing happens, and our officers have to make that split-second decision with a 12-year-old with a gun. Oh, my, it just would be such a horrible, tragic thing. But I want to make sure in the same sentence I say, but they need to be held accountable. Not not for that unthinkable tragedy, but they do need to be brought to justice. We want to encourage them to make right decisions. But when they make these type of decisions, to put a gun to a person's head and take their car, we have to bring them to justice. And our court systems have to create that leverage for our officers. Otherwise, Sasha, it's just a revolving door of arrest. I mean, in the last five years for carjacking, Chicago police officers have made 10,000 arrests for carjacking. Without leverage in the court system to convict and get a sentence, uh, we're spinning our wheels.
0: At a public forum this week, your first deputy superintendent, Eric Carter, said the police are outnumbered against these carjackers. And he said CPD needs community help to stop them. What might that kind of partnership look like?
1: So on the prevention side of this issue, um, we need our faith community. We need our nonprofits that work with our young people. We need uh, just people in the neighborhood, mothers, to uh, figure out a way to have a better outcome with our young people who, number one, obviously are very bored, but that shouldn't be an excuse to carjack anyone, but they obviously need much more guidance in the way they are making decisions. One of the 14-year-olds that we captured had committed up to 12 carjackings that he confessed to so this is not a small thing to say we need the community's help to help our young people make better decisions on the prevention side of this on the back end sasha when our our kids are cycling through the criminal justice system and the youth justice system we do need services for our young people many times uh, these are layered with you know issues at the family level issues with not just education, finance, but issues with mental health, issues with health care. I mean, many times, you know, some of these young people have parents who may be having an illness and can't parent in the ways they could if they if they didn't. We've all been exposed to the disparities in our health care systems with, with COVID being black and brown, more impacted than others. So there are many layers that we need to have uh, really a 360-degree effort around this issue, not just the enforcement and the accountability in the court system, but also the prevention and, on the back end, services for our young people and their families.
0: Well, we talked about some of the dangers that could occur when these kids are confronted by officers, but what do you think about the community effort where community members are volunteering to, to stand watch at places like gas stations in order to protect folks filling up their cars?
1: That's a great project we We are partnering with those groups around gas stations, but number one, don't ever leave your car running at a store or gas station or in your uh driveway as you warm up your car uh, Number two, uh try not to leave your valuables inside your car because you know this is another another prevention and finally, be aware of your surroundings, whether you're at a gas station convenience store or wherever getting out of your car. Uh, And and looking around and when you come back to your car, look around before you just put the key in the door and and, and hop in can can be helpful uh, in uh, making you less of a target for an offender.
0: That's Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown. And we are talking about the recent surge in carjackings and violent crime in the city. This January was the deadliest in Chicago since 2017. Superintendent, how do you balance the need to make sure that officers are active and and help keep the community safe with the need to not alienate residents and and harm the police community relations?
1: So that's the one thing I think 2020 was uh, a lesson learned with our reckoning with race, social justice, uh, that policing must prioritize uh, community engagement that if we are an enforcement-only department, we're failing. And one of the uh, things that I've put out as a director from my office and that I insist that we do is that as much enforcement as we have and we have to do to protect our city, uh, we want to do as much community engagement with the same energy. Uh, and, And community engagement can mean a lot of things, with our young people primarily, but also with our faith community and other groups where there's an authentic relationship that builds trust. So you can't have one without the other. You can't just say we're going to come and do our job and enforce the law without engaging community. You're not creating legitimacy, and you're not building bridges, and people don't people that don't trust you won't help you when you need to engage them with issues like our young people in carjackings.
0: Let's go back to talking about the, the murders here in Chicago. They were way up again in January compared to January of last year and in fact every month since April has actually been way up over the previous year how's your department approaching that issue?
1: So from May through July uh, you are, are absolutely correct our uh, murders escalated from July forward our murders have come down every month with the exception of September was a spike but it's come down every month with that exception and again remain flat from December. Uh, to January. And, and, and December and January were our lowest COVID months of homicides. And what I mean by COVID months, when there's been no jury trials or trials before the judge uh, over these last 10 months. So again, the leverage of law enforcement is you make an arrest, uh, you, you are then charged, but the consequences of a conviction have to be prominent in the criminal justice system. And without that jury trial over 10 months, uh, we don't have the full exposure of the criminal justice system on its impact on offenders uh, in our communities.
0: CPD has a uh, $1.7 billion annual budget, superintendent. Are there some more effective ways that you could be spending some of that money to stop this violence?
1: The Most of our budget is salaries. And so when you talk about the police budget, and I know where this is going to fund the police, nowhere have I heard in the city of Chicago where I've visited, south side, west side, or north side, where people want less police. Everyone wants more police. But I have yet to see less police in communities across the country make uh, cities safer. Um, That was a debate that we had, and our, our budget and our philosophy for policing Under a consent decree, by the way, we hadn't had an opportunity to talk about being under consent decree, but there are other ways to spend the tax dollars. But when you talk about cutting the police budget, you're talking about less police because the majority of our budget are police salaries.
0: So thousands of Chicago police officers have tested positive for COVID-19 since the pandemic began. How is the city protecting its rank and file during this time?
1: So it's up to 2,800 that's tested positive, and four have died from COVID. Uh, Three in April and one within the last uh, few weeks have died from COVID. Uh, What we're doing to protect our officers, number one, we had a very aggressive awareness campaign on wearing masks. There were fits and starts to that, uh, but we ended up having to uh, write an order uh, from our office that progressive discipline would be meted out if. Officers didn't wear their masks. Number two, uh, we have just begun vaccinating our first responders in the Chicago Police Department. Our firefighters went first because of their exposure on EMS runs and, and uh, helping people who are sick. But beginning February 1st of this, this month, our officers began uh, getting their first shot. I have personally did a awareness campaign on, on getting that first shot that, that I received on uh, last week. Uh, with my second shot scheduled for next Thursday. Okay. And so we again protecting our officers by wearing masks, but also doing an aggressive awareness campaign and ensuring that our officers uh, will will take the vaccine.
0: This week saw the launch of the Chicago Police Torture Archive, documenting the abuse under former Commander John Burge. How do you work to build trust in a city with that kind of history?
1: One person at a time. When block at a time, one neighborhood at a time, in the most authentic way that you can, which means admitting when you're wrong. That's how. That's the first step, admitting when you've been wrong. Uh, and, and, and Chicago obviously has not only that history of the birds' wrongdoings, but others. And moving forward, not being stuck in the past and uh, making uh, progress. And we have our guidance through our consent decree, but we see the consent decree as a floor not a ceiling we want to exceed the requirements of the consent decree in ways that obviously make us a community-oriented policing organization and not enforcement only and we, we want to be the first to admit that we're wrong and if we want to be able to say we, we corrected our wrong we held somebody accountable uh, we want to move forward
0: who are you admitting your faults to have you met with any people who had loved ones tortured by CPD or, or were victims themselves And what are you saying uh, to them?
1: Again, you know, you you took me literally uh, because I started in April. And so at the time when all these things happened, I think there there likely was litigation. There likely has been, obviously, criminal trials. Uh, There likely are reviews, IG reports, COPA. We have quite a bit of oversight here. Uh, But but my point is this. If we make mistakes under my watch, I want to be the first to say we made a mistake. If we made a mistake in the past that has been delayed or for whatever reason uh, didn't come forward until recently, I-, I want to be able to talk about that and just be honest about that was wrong. That was a mistake. I mean, the Andrew Dent young uh, by the one camera is a great example of that. I mean, that happened in 2019, uh, and uh, I- we are dealing with it now because it was delayed. And one of the things that I've done I've met with community groups and admitted that was wrong, uh, multiple groups, and we're creating improved policies to ensure that it doesn't happen again. So that's just an example. But again, it's, it's dealing with the past and admitting you're wrong and dealing with, you know, what you have control over, which is, you know, my time here as superintendent.
0: Before I let you go, superintendent, you've called for fraternal order of police president John Cananzara to be fired. Now, 80 community groups are calling for his ouster as well. What type of officer would you like to see running the union? What qualities would would make a good leader?
1: uh, Have an opportunity to hire officers in the academy that are reflective of the diversity of the city of Chicago, number one. Uh, Number two, officers who follow their training based on human dignity, respect, and Adherence to the Constitution, to our laws in this country, and, and finally, uh, you know, officers who, uh, like I like I mentioned, can admit their mistakes. You know, we're just, you know, people doing an extraordinary difficult job, and so we're flawed, and so we're going to make mistakes. I don't want officers who have this uh, blue line that we can't cross and uh, will always support our officers no matter what mistakes they make. I, I want to be able to say. You know, we made a mistake. Uh, that officer needs to be held accountable. Sometimes that means termination. Uh, sometimes that means some t- level of, of discipline is lowered in termination, but uh, we, we've got to be able to move past this idea that officers are somehow going to be perfect uh, and that everyone's suited for the job. Some people are just not suited for this job, and we have to be able to admit that. That's not the majority, but when we don't admit that number that's not suited to do this job, we taint everyone else that is doing the job the right way, which I believe is the majority. So again, I I think being honest with people is the best path forward. And those are the type of officers we want to hire.
0: That's Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown. Superintendent, thanks for your time.
1: Thanks, Sasha. So great to meet you. Thank you you very much.
0: And that's today's Reset. One of our missions is to get information from and ask tough questions to your city officials. From the police to the schools, from the city to the county, keep tabs on local government by subscribing to this podcast. And tell a friend. We're here Monday through Friday with great conversations that are 20 minutes or less. It's a great way for you to stay connected. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow.